Coming up in this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast, we have a special interview with Perdu Vestersund of Patioki, plus all the latest news and goings-on, including the power rankings. But more importantly, our good friend Ron Bronson returns. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. I'm your host Ian Albert and joining me as ever is the guru on all things Pes Apollo. It's Mikko Pironen. Mikko, how are you doing? Well, first of all, I need to mention that this is the first time I think that we are doing a show when there are actually go- games going on live as of now. I mean, I'm on a split screen and there's, <laughs> there's a live game going on, so... Uh, it's not like 10 p.m. in Finland, so uh, yeah. yeah, summertime, all things good. And of course, we've got the London series um, coming up very, very shortly, uh, so I'll be seeing you over there in London as well. Speaking of baseball and America, joining us again, he's been away for so long, but finally our schedules have aligned it's my friend from across the pond. It's Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you? It's great to be back. I'm doing well. I'm watching games. And uh, yeah, it's super, super awesome. To, it's, I don't care if it's 8 a.m. or not. I'm not missing this again. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really difficult to try and arrange things around three different time zones um, for everybody, but it's so great to have you back, Ron. It really is. Um, and we've missed you. We've missed you a lot. So moving on to the news uh, section in the podcast, um, there were a couple of items I wanted to talk about. One really only touching on. Um, but first of all, uh, record-breaking uh, news. Uh, Juha Korhonen and uh, Sami Harpakoski breaking that 3,500 successful hit mark uh, recently. Incredible uh, feats. Um, Mikko, don't you agree? Yeah, I... Uh, what can you say? I mean, uh, we were just sitting outside in the garden with the former teammates of mine. And uh, we all played against those two guys, and we actually—I actually mentioned this, uh, this thing uh, to the guys, and they were like, uh, "What? I back in the day, like Juha Corona used to play second base, and nobody even knows that anymore. It's been like more than fifteen years ago. So, uh, but yeah, what?" 3,500, that's like mind-breaking stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's huge. And Ron, of course, Sami Harpakoski, former Vimpli man as well. You've seen a lot of him in your career as well. Um, 
anything else to add on that uh, remarkable milestone? I, I, you know, I, as you all know, I like to sometimes contextualize uh, face to follow uh, history or stats for Americans who are like used to baseball stats. And in baseball, obviously, as you all know, 3,000 hits is a huge number in, you know, American baseball. And so I have a buddy who has gotten into watching Pace Apollo because of me, you know, he like casually. And I, so I told him this number, he says, and how many games? And I said, oh, you know, for Sammy, it's like less than 600 games, which is just like even by Finnish standards, absurd, right? And so when I was explaining this, I'm yeah. like, this is an absurd record by Finnish baseball standards. <laughs> but you contextualize it yeah. by American baseball <laughs> standards. And you're like, this guy averaged five hits a game. The hits are different, but five hits a game for his career. And it's just like, what in the world is that? So yeah, it's it's really really cool. Um, for the fact that they're both doing it right now, it's kind of wild. I say for the folks at home, you know, uh, Yuha is the uh, all-time home runs leader in finished baseball. Not like the greatest stat in the world, but still a really crazy 100 home runs. And then of course, Sammy, the all-time run scored leader. So it's kind of funny that now they're like gonna see who's gonna who's gonna blink first, who's gonna retire first. <laughs> Uh, and leave the other guys the all-time hits later. It's kind of fun. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's great. I was really impressed to see the, these uh, records being broken. They always look like they would because both of these players, like you say, they they're still playing at a really high standard. They don't look as if they're they're um, wanting already to retire anytime soon. Um, but one player who announced his retirement uh, last year, who's come back is uh, pitcher Yannick Vibelto, uh, who played for uh, Kovla last year um, and has signed a match-per-match agreement with Kempele, which I was really shocked uh, to see that he was coming back. I was even more shocked to see um, that he was coming back for the IPV game, um, which has uh, significant repercussions for the so-called pint series that uh, Miko and I have been talking about <laughs> on the podcast um, so far. But yeah, it's an interesting signing. It seems like a lot of uh, players from a few years back who are maybe a bit more in their prime have been heading to Kempelate now and they've been growing this team and it's even growing now in the season. Um, Mikko, what did you make of this move? Well, uh, I think I need to uh, take a step back here because I, I've been astounded by the fact that even like the media here in Finland, they did not recognize that he was already the like the pitching coach, pitcher coach for Jani Lassila in Kempele. So they assigned they assigned him to be a part of the coaching team for this season, and he just got like he just went back because he was already in shape and he knows how to pitch. So <laughs> so basically, they just asked him that can you do this on um, like if he is severely injured, and he said that yeah I can. So it wasn't like out of the blue. He was. He was within the team the whole time and he was within the coaching staff the whole time and keeping himself in check. So it's not the biggest surprise in the world for me. No, I mean, the the biggest surprise for me was the fact that he was on the coaching team and nobody had mentioned this, like you say, in the Finnish media, just completely uh, missed. Um, But uh, Ron, a a good addition for Kempele, do you do you think they're going to be uh, strengthened by this uh, this move? 
I mean, I think to Miko's point, I mean, he's already on the coaching staff. You're not integrating a new guy, right? Like, he's a guy they respect. He's been around the locker room. Um, and so it's always a value add when you bring a veteran presence in like that, even game by game, right? Show It's one thing tell, as a coach, well, coaches, you tell a guy something, but they got to show him something and they can see it. They see you doing it. And it's less about the field stuff and more about the preparation, right? I saw him as a coach, but I got to see him how he prepares and how he gets ready for a game and like, oh, he does that? Oh, I should do that too. And so, I mean, they're having a really good season, top four right now. I mean, I, I think that, you know, as we've seen the past couple of years, like, We've had a competitive playoffs the last couple of years. So, like, a team that can stay in that top four, you get home field, like, anything's possible. So, yeah, I think it, I don't I don't think it's a bad move. And game by game, it gives everybody the option of being like, ah, we tried that. Let's go back to how it was. So, I think I think it's no downsides really at all. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and uh, what it actually does is that it gives them the presence of Two like high quality thirty plus uh, pitches in in the team, which can be like extremely valuable uh, going forward to the season. We saw um, Kempele's playoff hopes last year sort of take a dive when there were some injuries. This kind of move helps strengthen that, I suppose. And one of the things that I I picked up in the story was that Yannick um, Vipelto felt more relaxed uh, pitching uh, here in Kempele. I suppose there was a lot of pressure in KPL trying to break that uh, that uh, championship-less streak that they've been on. Um, Kempele, it seems like the organisation, they're just out there having fun and, and playing well. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they get on uh, later on down the line. The third story, and I only want to touch on this because we've already... <laughs> I'm laughing because Miko's rolling his eyes and I... Yep, absolutely. Mansa responds to Tony Kohonen's uh, claim. And we just had another tit for tat in terms of, well, you know, Tony wasn't pulling his weight, I suppose, when it comes to the coaching duties and the roles that he was supposed to be doing as part of the uh, contract. Um, what we sort of discovered was the fact that the contract was announced before it was properly put together. And then they both seem to have different ideas as to what that contract meant. Uh, from a legal perspective, it's all very interesting. I keep saying this, but um, as, as a fan, I'm, I'm fed up of it. But I, <laughs> just <laughs> you, have, you have to mention it because, of course, it's in, in the news. But uh, Miko, anything to add and, and be kind? Well, maybe just, maybe just one thing, uh, shortly, that uh, we were just laughing uh, today that the, the amount of irony in the fact that nowadays we have Tony Kohonen uh, criticizing Monza playing. That what are they doing wrong? That why are they not performing, <laughs> or why they are performing? It's such like uh, like I said in the like I think in the latest podcast I mentioned that this is like an episode of Black Mirror, but this this feels like this is like just. Get me out of here. I mean, this is like a Trump trial or something. <laughs> Just give me the conclusion and let's get on with it. I, I don't want to deal with this anymore, to be honest. 
So we'll move on. We'll move on from that news story. We have to mention it, as I say, but uh, there we are. So we've touched on some of those uh, points in the news. Um, there was, of course, something else I wanted to mention, which was that uh, Lapo had changed their game manager. So my apologies for everybody. I missed this off the podcast outline. But uh, Miko, you and I were talking about this um, the other week. Um, Lapo hadn't been perf- performing at their, their best. They'd struggled changing game manager. Do you think that's going to provide some fresh perspective and some uh, better outcomes for them? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't think that anyone can say that the results were behind the decision. It was more like, uh, I I just know that there was some feeling that uh, feeling of incompetence, to be honest, that, that the game manager was not up, up to the task. And uh, that was why, because the players are top-notch and they are used to like quality coaching and quality game manager. And uh, this was his first year as a game manager on a high level. And I just, I think that it just came to like, to a crossroads that the players were feeling that this is not good enough. That's my take. That that's why they felt like this needs to change. And uh, yeah, and Yukalikala <laughs> uh, comes to the rescue. I mean, a five-time champion and so forth. So I'm uh, like, like I said, I'm pro Lapua this year. I got my bets on them, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, and of yeah. course, Ron, you, you follow. Of, <laughs> of course, Ron, you follow a lot of Lapo's games as well. Of course, um, what have you made of their season so far? You know, it's it's been a it's an interesting deal when you're like this. Uh, I mean, Sakamo got a little bit of this, but on the men's side. But when you're this team that you know had this crazy run a couple of years ago and. I mean, like, you know, you let Lucista when she's when she's able to play, you know, is one of the best hitters in the game year after year. Um, and then I put a really good core around her and, and they seem to, you know, seem to inexplicably uh, find good players, but they can't get over the hump. Right. Like, and, and it's and honestly, I think it's good for wins game. Right. You got a Pori showing up, being successful. Obviously, uh, Kira Durant's going to be in an interesting you know, post Emma Karka like uh, situation this year. So I think things are a little open. Right. And so, I mean, I think that. The fact that they have not been able to figure out how to win a title the last couple of years has been probably the biggest disappointment. Um, but but uh, I mean, so I don't think this is anything but a but a good possibility. Um, I, I've I've I think I've mentioned probably on past years podcasts here that I've been a little unimpressed by the game managing on that team. I feel like a couple of years ago they played better when the assistant game manager was the game manager than when they had the actual person doing it. So this has been a, yeah. this has been coming up for a while. So I think I think nothing but but. Uh, Hopefully, a positive uh, effect for them heading into the into the later in the season into the postseason. Yeah, I I just uh, the, the one thing that I that I want to add to that is that uh, before the season, one of the uh, game managers in women's super passes, uh, not to name anybody, but uh, they they said he said that. Um, if this is not Lapua's year, when is it going to be? 
that this is like this is supposed to be that year because there's like the defending champion they are they are like having a like a truly generational player and other like 30 something championship removed from the team and Monza Monza is a mess all over the place and uh, okay then they can be the champions but Bore who knows I mean they're still a young team uh, Lapua like Ron said that they have built a strong core and uh, if they, if they if they do not win now when will they win well That'll do it for the news uh, items for this episode. Uh, We now have an interview with a very interesting person indeed. It's uh, Patu's game manager, uh, Pertu Westersund. So uh, join us now for that interview, and then we will have a short break. Joining me now on the podcast is a game manager, and in fact our first game manager we're interviewing who's currently a game manager for a Superpresses team. Uh, He started his career in 2006 before becoming a game manager in 2018 for Sipe. Since then he's moved on to Partioki and is now the game manager for them. Uh, It's Pertu Westrosund. Pertu, thank you for joining me. Thank you, very nice to come so I always like to try and get a sense of uh, the background for the people I have on these interviews. Do you have any heroes uh, growing up or coming into the game, like game managers or players? Yes, um, I, I come from Suomussalmi. It's near Sotkamo and in the east. So when I was a little boy, I... Uh, went to see Sotkamon Yimu games and uh, there was Jarkko Kokko who hit very hard and uh, I admire uh, uh, he as a hitter. And then there's uh, Jukka Holtinen uh, who was a pitcher and I, I was also a pitcher and left-handed pitcher. So Jukka Holtinen was my pitcher idol. And I want to show as high pitches as he. he. Um, those were the most, the players who, who I admired the most. There's a lot of good players also and uh, who I, try to learn and yeah those are the those players okay i admire maybe the most two there's a plenty of two uh, plenty of good game manager that i admire but my high school teacher was mikko kuosmanen and also i'm playing against him and this season and and is he was very very good coach and game manager and he's, he's still that but when i was in high school he was like fair but tough tough and 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 i like his presence very much and how he treat treat the young players and 
then there's uh, one great old man in Siilinjärvi and Sotkamo, Tapio Korhonen. And, and he has thought a lot about thinking about baseball and and he is now almost uh, it's, it's, uh, over 80 years old, but his brain is very smart and sharp when we are talking about baseball. So I, I want to be at smart, that, that smart at the age of 80. So those are the most uh, admiring game game managers what I have had. And we're we're about midway through June now, and things are going quite well for Patioki this season. What do you think uh, Patioki's main strengths are this year? Um, I think uh, the main main strength is uh, bravery. We we don't accept anything. We don't take anything as grand. We try some things, some new things. We 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 can think out of the box, and not just uh, not only the coaches but players also. And we we don't care about mistakes so much. Uh, and no one get penalty for doing mistake if it's thinking uh, if if that mistake come from thinking then it's if it's a stupid mistake that those those we don't want to do but if it's if it's a smart mistake then it's our pressure so maybe that's the uh, important thing in our uh, thinking and uh, our game, but also then we have a, a very good runners in our team and also five, a few good hitters and and every player throws quite good and that's the main thing what we have practiced in two years now, so we don't have to panic. Uh, on the field, so we can throw the ball quite good. I think those are the main 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 facts. Our main main strengths. We've seen some moves uh, between teams already this uh, year. Um, most recently, we saw Yannick uh, Ivabelto uh, signing for Kempele. If you could sign any player for your team. Who would it be and why? Uh, I have to say, uh, he's a compacker, so I would like to sign Pavo Peldo because uh, there's a quite lonely in the golf range, and and me and Yuso Keskikokkari are missing Pavo from from the our tours. In golf range uh, courses nearby. Well, that sounds like a very good reason. Um, in one of the previous uh, podcast episodes, my co-host Mikko Pirhonen and I were talking about the difference between really great players and uh, then becoming a really great game manager. Uh, how did you make the change from being a player 
to becoming a game manager? Uh, at first, I think it was like accident or or I have to because there was there wasn't any other and and then I I like joined it and I started. Uh, I think I was 15 years when I first started to be a game game manager from the younger guys and and maybe the uh, greatest point was was 2009 when when I was asked by Ilma Littmanen who's Henry Littmanen's father to be be a game game manager in the uh, B B boys team, and and then I I all it started like accident, and I have have since some some teams game manager or second game manager or as at at least a coach some team. So then when I realized that my own game career was ending or or not any any hype anymore and and i thought that i rather put some effort to be a good game manager than an average player so that that was the decision maybe 2005 uh, 15 or 16 i don't remember so so well but there there was so that was the how I came up to now in this position. The game we see changes and, and continues to uh, evolve. What are the qualities needed to become a great game manager in the modern game? Um, I think the social skills are are very important. Um, nowadays, players are a little. Uh, they are more awareness about the individual uh, attachment to game and and maybe few decades then there was a team and only the team and now there are lots of individuals in teams so you have to know how to treat every person like they wanted to treat it so that's a that's a one one thing, and then also unit time. This is very time-consuming job, and and luckily now I can do it for a whole day and and get paid for that enough, so I don't have to do like teacher job or something else. So I can use use a lot of time, and that that is also important, and. Um, of course, passion. This 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 job, I can do the same money for a lot a lot easier than than this job. But but the passion to be become better and uh, learn new and find the new ways to solve problems. So those are things that I I like and that. I try to become a little better every day. 
Part 2 went through a complete rebuild in 2021 uh, with a number of uh, key players having left the club. How did you approach the 2022 season uh, with such a young and talented group of people? Uh, it was quite easy because we we thought and we decided that uh, there's a lot of new guys and they have to step up and take their responsibilities and and learn to how to play the like uh, we can win and if we don't manage that then we deserve to be qualifying down and or or lose our super passes place and it was it was like a all in situation let's put the all money on the on the table and see what we got and that's why it was it was quite easy well since taking over as a game manager you've brought some creativity and excitement uh, back to uh, patioki how do you think your tactics are different to other game managers um well, uh, there's a lots of variations uh, for how how we play and how other other game manager want to they they play. But I think uh, there's a few like main things what we think. Like example, uh, strike out is a strike out. Uh, it doesn't matter where that comes. When we are hitting, uh, uh, and you can try some something brave and try to win something. Uh, example: If you are hitting hitting to the behind the base or something, it's it's the same strike when you get when you're trying to hit it in the middle of the field. So. That's a one thing, and and then I like when we are throwing when we are outfielding. Uh, I want we throw every time because it's important that we can make our defense most offensive play, and we 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 want to uh, make the. Rules how the how the how we defense and we have to be attack attacking when we are defending. So it's it's a little, little complicated to say, but but the mental have to be that we are not not there like to take catches or or, or defending something, but we are attack, attacking when we are we are in outfield. And also, I like a lot of double plays, uh, and and we have to try those every time we have to an opportunity. This and I hate when uh, when coaches, especially in younger games, when coaches yell in outfielders that don't throw because it's the most important thing what they are doing. They, First you catch the ball and then you throw. Of course you throw every time you can. It's like hockey coach yell 
at the ring that don't shoot, you can lose the puck. So it's it's the same thing, and I that that I want to encourage our players to do. What is your favorite moment from your career so far? Um, I think it it is uh, when we beat Hamina in Super Pesis qualifiers 2019-18. I don't remember anymore, but but that, that's the I think that was the most uh, wonderful moment at, 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 at my career as a game manager and and also two years ago when we were when we were in Wimbledon uh, playing golf, um, playoff I I like it really much I I enjoyed the moment and the, those were fascinating and exciting moments I want to be there more more and maybe a few years later I can I can taste that again now there are a number of uh, players uh, in Patu's lineup who show that great potential we were talking about before and as a result a lot of teams will probably be looking to sign those players in the coming years how important is it to the club that players like Toppy Still and Michael Makala have signed and extended their contracts? Uh, of course, it's a it's a, a big thing, and and I'm glad that the boy want to, boys want to stay here because uh, I know few few clubs were onto them, uh, but. I, I think that we have done some some things right here, and and it's essential that we can grow our own own guys to top elite elite players to this to this super basis because uh, like everybody knows we don't have so much money like the bigger bigger ones, so we have to. Put those money to the resources and to coaches to improve our players and increase their skills, and that uh, and this way the team can be better. What are your goals and aims for this season? Um, this season we are heading to a playoff, like. Seven to ten. Um, this is this is what we are looking for, and we want to learn how to play playoff games because it's a little bit different. Well, we know we, I, I think, oh, although baseball and and ball games, everything is possible. But um, if there's a Wimbledon against us. Uh, Five game series, probably the Wimbledon is, is a maybe the better team there now. But we want to learn and we want to taste what what that is and and try to uh, make our way to play so we can practice and next year we can be even better and so on and so on. It's like a uh, growing process what we 
try to do and and that therefore the player are essential for that but before we can get to the playoffs of course there's a number of of games still left in the season who do you think are your biggest rivals this year i think the biggest rivals are Kosken Korva and Imatra. Uh, therefore, they are playing playing quite good game, and even Ipewe had a lot of injuries. They can manage and uh, win win periods and win games, and also Kosken Korva has a quite hard hitter team, and there's a, a much more experienced than than what we got so i think they are going to be hard hard rocks in our way but we have to play good and we have to steal points from the uh, bigger teams and of course the um, when when we are playing against them we have to be have to be good and and where we did this season, we won three two points, and now Koskan Gorva is leading two all against us. But we have to manage the the home game well that we can get at least two points from that game. <laughs> well, the very best of luck uh, for the rest of the season, uh, Pertu Vestrosund. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Okay, so uh, welcome back. Uh, We're now talking about some of the key games that have uh, happened. So turning first to the men's Sotkama were on this winning streak uh, throughout the season and that came crashing to a hold against Kempele, which, very interesting, fairly um, close <laughs> rivals, I suppose you could say, uh, geographically speaking. Um, but looking back through the history books, Kempele's last win against Sotkama was in 2019 in Hali Before that... In Super Pesis, it was 2016. So their last league win was 2016. And Sotkomo has been really on point so far this season. And it was quite a close game. But in the end, Kempele edging past them. Uh, Mika, were you impressed with Kempele in that game? Well, I was impressed with their mental strength. Because uh, losing 6-0 in the first Yaxo, and after that, just showing some backbone to come back and actually take the two points is something uh, worth mentioning. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's a yeah, it's it's about like the little brother like <laughs> stepping up a bit. And uh, but it is also worth mentioning that they played uh, IPD at home, Sotkamo away, and Koskenkorva home. 
three games in a trot and two points from each of those. So it also shows the issues that they have to deal with. Hmm. Well, it was, like you say, this kind of mental attitude of coming back, you know, South Carmel, easy uh, first yak, so uh, six nothing. They really uh, dug deep on that one. Uh, Matti Korhonen, um, two RBIs in the game, um, and uh, in the end scored the winner in, in the Super Bowl. The next game then I wanted to talk about, obviously, was something very important to Mikko and I, uh, which was uh, Patioki's victory over IPV. Now, we talked about uh, the importance of these games for uh, Patioki, and as you'll have heard from the interview with Perdu Vestos, and IPV are one of the uh, key rivals for Patioki this year. But to to win the game, not just win it, but actually take the full three points, um, that that's that's a pretty good uh, result for them. Looking at the statistics, Patioki managed to pretty much silence IPV's top order. Um, Nino Morovita, Owen six, no successful hits as a leadoff hitter. That's that's pretty uh, pretty tough going, and both of their hard hitting. Jokers, uh, Tommy Pierrein and Ate Brandt, they they had nothing really. Um, success rates in the twenty percent. So, yeah, Miko, what did you make of that game? Well, I could feel the chill like deep down in my bones, even when <laughs> when I was watching the game, because when it's cold on that pitch, it's it's freezing. I mean. And I mean freezing, because it's it's near the sea, and when the, when the wind is blowing, it's blowing from the sea, it's blowing from the outfield towards the home base, and that means that in that game the ball was moving nowhere. It was like plus five degrees or something like that, and even in the interviews, like players said that it's like today it's basically impossible to hit the ball between two players you just need to like put it in the air and that's about it and now that i look outside it's plus 26 27 or something and uh, it's a completely different game so uh in that game it was all about defense and i think that in this kind of circumstances the the difference would have been much clearer but yeah anyway they got the three points and um, the pine series going strong for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, like I say, you know, the the amount of potential that that team had, and we were talking about this in the um, preview episodes, was high. I was doubtful they'd be able to unlock this, but they've, they've really uh, impressed. And uh, players like Toppy Still, Makala, the fact that they are signing for the club for years to come is a really promising sign as far as I'm concerned. I mean, just the other day uh, against Kempele, they had over a thousand spectators um, there as well. This is a team that pretty much was on its knees the other year with financial problems, people not turning out to to games. Um, 
a really unexciting, really dull kind of strategies. Um, you know, not much there in terms of offense. Now we're seeing some some really new, innovative kind of ways of uh, of playing, and it's it's exciting to to watch. Um, moving then to our our third game, I wanted to look at, and it really was um, this second inning. Uh, from Vimpoli in the first Yaxo against Kite that really caught my eye. 12 runs there, 14-0 and 0 in the first Yaxo uh, to Vimpoli, and then a 4-3 in the second Yaxo to give Vimpoli the full three points. Um, really impressive numbers and stats. Uh, for me, I when I was watching the game, I felt that Kite just looked a little bit lost in the whole thing, in particular in the first yeah, so and it, they really needed to reset. Um, Ron, did you catch that game? I did. Um, I think this is, I mean, at its peak, these are the kinds of games that Vimpoli will give you, right? I mean, last year they're bearing through. This is this is more of the same from them, right? Um, and I think the thing that's turned over from this team over the last couple of years, in the past they would do this and then go to the next game and blow it. <laughs> and now they don't do yeah. that anymore. Like they come in and they'll just beat you up, right? It'll just keep doing it. Um, and so to me, this just felt like one of those kinds of games. Um, not super surprising to me over a team, uh, I can't say we're given where they're at in the standings, but, but, um, but you know, um, fun to watch for what it was. I'm still smarting after the thing that happened this week, but, you know, it, it's, it, was, it was a cool time when that thing happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Miko, what was your take on the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, we are recording this on Saturday, and we obviously know the what happened after that. So, like the uh, result from yesterday was like, uh, okay, the this shuffles the back, and uh, <laughs> now we are back to square one again. So. Uh, it's it's anybody's guess who's like winning anything at at the moment because like we're talking that Vimpoli is losing like they're up they're actually beaten by their own strengths and at the same time Sotkamo is on a, a three game losing streak also and uh, like I said it's it's anybody's guess who actually the best team in the league right now but I I, I, I mean I completely agree that uh, at the peak of their power uh, nobody can like nobody wants to go to a shootout with Bimbali that's for <laughs> sure no and nobody wants to uh, I mean, it's a lovely stadium as it is beautiful surroundings but nobody wants to go and play in Bimbali because Vimpley haven't lost a game at home since September 2021. That's the last time they lost. So it is a very long time. Um, um, he's going to keep that, saying that, that until we. He's going to keep saying that until we lose one at home. He tweeted it. <laughs> he tweeted it. And some Vimpley fans who I know well were like, "Hey man, stop talking about that. We're not trying to mention it." Because it's just, you're going to jinx us. And then Ian's like, hey, do you know you've been lost in a couple of years right at home? You know that, right? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> 
But yeah, it's, it's an incredible statistic. Um, and we'll see if that uh, continues. So moving on then from the uh, men's uh, to the women's, uh, very uh, close games I wanted to talk about here. The first being um, Maliusic's win over Lapua. Um, very, very close game. But Senioki, Miko, do you think they're, they're in the mix here? They are. I mean, it's like, I think that Ron said, said it well when he was like, when, when you mentioned Janet Lepista, it's the same with uh, Ainokasa Mantere with uh, Seinajoki. So that she's got uh, 25 RBIs in the last five now. And uh, the percentage is like ridiculous for her that how how she is scoring those scoring those like runs but um but overall i mean they are maybe the fifth or sixth best team in the league by like on the base at the base level but at the moment, uh, they have been overperforming for me a bit. And in that game, that was actually the first game, I think, that when Yukalikala came back from to be the game manager. And that actually showed that there were some very poor decisions, tactically, to be honest, that, which lost the game. Lapua, not taking anything away from Malayus. They are a team to beat at the moment and they are playing with the kind of a positivity and groove that you want to see from a team. And both in uh, women's superpasses and in men's superpasses, I think that you would both agree that the best thing that best thing this season has been that we have five or six teams in the mix that we are we, we actually do and we we can say that out loud without like saying quote unquote but yeah yeah i i agree and uh, to an extent as well it's it's the same in urkus pesis you know I, i'm obviously uh, following what's going on there for from hamina's uh, perspective but um yeah, it's, it's it's great to see this level of competition. Lots of things in the mix. Um, Ron, I know you you caught this game. You you tweeted about um, something really interesting, beautiful little uh, spot of tactics from uh, uh, Miley Yusit there. Um, Ron, what did you make of of this win? Um, I think it just shows the depth the depth of the women's game right now. Um, to Miko's point, um, you know, like they're they're overperforming. I mean, playing. You look at the standings, the wins game now, and you'd be really confused. You're like, what do you mean, Kudaret's in fourth? What do you mean, Lapa was in seventh? Right? <laughs> like, like it, <laughs> it, it, it seems like they got a parallel universe right now. Um, I mean, doing yeah. poorie things, but you know, it's really. I think it's great. You know, I know we've been on this show in years past talking about sort of the, the top four in the wins game, and then after that, forget it. And I think to see the depth of, you know, at any given night that anybody can win except poor Rohu, my friends in Helsinki, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm, I'm sad. I need them. I need them to figure it out. But other than that, at any given night, anybody else, you know, that they're good for some points. Um, and this was just illustration of that. Mm. 
Well, mentioning Royhu there, the, the second game then in the women's I wanted to talk about was Tarko's very close, but win against Royhu Turet and denying Royhu Turet their first points of the season. They've come close in several games, but this is a team that's in, in crisis at the moment. And Tarko is one of the teams that really they needed to target for points. Um, Miko, what do you make of what's happening in well, there? Well, they were like two teams, both in a crisis. And uh, we were talking about Tarko as a potential playoff team. Uh, of course, we still are because this is a parallel universe, like, like Ron said. That who, who knows? I mean, they they might come up with a like six game winning streak, like last season, and like, scrape themselves into the playoffs somehow. I don't know, but uh, but at the moment, it seems like uh, they are a mess. And the fact that they are able to still win the Rohutaret is still, you know, like, it's, that that's about it. Yeah. I mean, the my thoughts when I saw this fixture coming up this last week was not so much who's going to win the game, but who's going to lose the game. If that makes any sense. I, I, I didn't expect either team to really go out there and be able to win the game, but somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. For me, it was well, which of the two teams is going to lose because that's that's a problem for them and their their hopes of of staying up. Um, but yeah, still no points from Roy Huteret, and that's that's really difficult to take. Uh, Miko, yeah, uh, I would just sum it up in kind of one sentence that. When I wrote the preview and did, did the preview for that, I, my first sentence was the sentence was that, uh, if, like, if neither one of these teams are getting, getting points from this game, when are they gonna get them? And that's, I, I should have ended it there <laughs> and just add yeah. the stats line. And that's about it. And if you're not going to win this game, who are you going to win? The third game that I wanted to talk about was um, Pori's victory over Kiritret. And again, another a close one that was decided um, in the second Yaxo. Uh, Pori have been doing pretty well so far this season. They've managed to pick up the wins and the points where they, they need them. Kiritret, of course, still that kind of... A project coming out of that generational shift, I suppose, um, trying to figure out where they are. But a pretty close game along the way. Uh, Miko, what did you make of that? Maybe the most entertaining game that I've watched this year. And just to uh, mention one thing out of that game is that I think the amount of Spectators was thirteen hundred and forty-seven or something like that, and uh, that that is like that is up there with any summer sports in Finland, and that is something that <laughs> if we think about like globally or 
anything like that. It's like uh, that as an average attendance, the body home games, that will go into top 20 easily in in every like in every sport men and male and female sports like men's and women's games and uh it just underlines the fact that this is this is actually a thing that needs to be experienced and people know it here and it's unbelievable how closely they follow the game there and how popular it is in Pori. So I recommend to everybody that go to watch a game there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Ron and I uh, made it over to Italansi in tw- uh, 2021, and the atmosphere was amazing. Of course, it's Italansi, but there was a, so much passion from the Pori fans in the women's game, which isn't usually the way it goes in Italansi. There's there's usually a, a much bigger turnout for the men's, but there's so much passion there. And I I really fell in love with uh <laughs> with that stadium and, and the people there. Um fantastic. And like you say, you know, the, the attendance in the thirteen hundreds it's an incredible number. Um even if we were putting that alongside the men's support basis, it's it's up there. It, it's up there with some of the best turnouts. Um, and certainly more on average than half of the men's teams. Um, so great, great to see. There was there was a few back and forwards in in the game itself. Um, a couple of uh, Gunnari that that really turned things around. But uh, yeah, I'm I've been impressed with the way that Pori have uh, dealt with things so far this year. Um, it was a good win for them. Really helps keep them at the top end of the table. Uh, Ron, did you? Uh, well, Ron, what do you make of Pori? You and I were there in twenty twenty one. What's your thoughts on on that fan base? You know, yeah, I mean, obviously, I <clears throat> I did see part of that game, um, and I just generally, obviously, yeah, we had a really. I was gonna. I'm glad you all brought up this. Like, we had a really good experience in Pori. Um, I'm happy. I like watching games. That, I, any stadium I've been to, I'm like, oh, I've been there. It's like a really fun way to connect, even more to the sport being far away and not being able to just like pull a Miko and show up to games when I want to. You know, cause I don't live in family. Of course, I can go to NFL games. So I guess it's like a trade off, right? But, I, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I. What that team has been able to do to get over the hump they were having such a long time, right? I mean, they have to deal with the Lapua uh, juggernaut and then Kiradoret's juggernaut. And for them to insert themselves in that and become sort of the new standard bearer for the for the women's game right now. I mean, obviously, uh, Siasco is always going to have a ton of fans. Been the games there. Those fans are obviously, you know, the, that's the dominant team in that city. But um, those poor fans and the way they support that team. But I think more importantly, the way that team plays like with such confidence, uh, no matter how their lineup changes, um, has been really fun to see, I think, again, for the women's game and seeing that that uh, that baton pass. That will, will it happen in the playoffs? We'll see. But I think that if nothing else, you know they're going to have a really big fan base behind them um, of really crazy fans. Because, um, yeah, that, 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 that stadium is, is, is rocking. And the way it's set up, anybody go at home, like, it's really got, it reminds me of like an old American baseball stadium in a way because it's, you know, it's kind of wooden and like there's, you know, it kind of, kind of juts out. It's kind of got a weird, kind of some weird lines to it. Um, and so it's an interesting place to see a baseball game. Obviously, the, you know, that part of Finland in general. So, yeah, definitely echo everything you all said about it. 
so that that's the games I wanted to talk about. Moving on now to the power rankings. Now, every week I publish on the blog uh, the power rankings for both the men's and the women's super places uh, based on calculations of how important the points were that each team makes against each other. And uh, just a couple of trends I wanted to talk about. First of all, in the men's IPV, they've lost their last four uh, games straight now with, with zero points. Um, we saw them scrape points <laughs> now and then. They had the win, of course, against Yoansu, where they they lost the opportunity for going for that third point against them. They narrowly beat uh, uh, Patioki at home and managed to scrape a point away from Kite. But last four games, they've they've had nothing. Is this a team now that is sliding into trouble, Miko? Uh, they are. I mean, that's I for for me that's a given that they are uh, they are in the danger zone, and that's mostly because they they had like four runners to begin with, and now one of them is healthy and in the lineup like constantly, so. In today's game, where speed is everything, it's like, <laughs> if you don't have speed, then you're screwed. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, obviously, at the time of recording, they haven't played against Senioki. Now, Senioki, the team really in trouble at the moment. Um, that That's a, a must-win game for IPV, don't you think, Miko? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you could say the same thing as <laughs> for the, yeah, you could say the same as in Rohutare and Taco. So it's like, if you're not going to win this game, who are you going to win? Ron, do you have anything to add to that? Just to say that, uh, you know, it, this is the danger zone for them in the season if they think they're going to be a playoff team. Um, that you know, these are the games you have to start to win. Um, they've got to figure it out. I don't know that they will, um, but I think that this is this is that time of year where you know when you're in that you're in the position that they're in. Talk about like you know near the regular relegation line, like you you well, you we think we're a playoff team. Well, you need to you need we need to see it because we're not seeing it. The other trend I wanted to uh, talk about was. Tarko seeming to be bouncing back. They they'd had a run of kind of mediocre results uh, fairly recently, but that win um, the other day against Monza very important uh, to the power rankings as it happens. But Tarko are they finally bouncing back yet, Mika, or are they still trying to struggle finding their feet? Well, they're gonna go back and forth. I mean, to me, they are. Somewhere, maybe the sixth best team in the league Also, I mean, on, on their day, they can beat anybody. And they just recently beat Sotkamo two days ago. So, so yeah, they can do that. Their outfield is good. And they do have, like, power hitters, like Juhanemi, Juha Koronen. They do have 
quality run is and like there's basically nothing else missing than the like the <laughs> than the bottom line <laughs> the how to play the game which is kind of crucial but I <laughs> don't want to dip into that anymore I mean it's like they are a quality team and they will win one-off games but I would not put my money on them on like best out of five or best out of seven series at the moment. They've got all the tools, they've got all the players, but just fitting them together. And, and really this, this is going back to one of the points we've mentioned before in terms of game management and that kind of level of consistency is, is just not there. Um, it's been encouraging to see them bouncing back these last few games, but as you say, it's it's anybody's guess when they're going to win and when they're going to lose. Uh, Ron, do you have anything to add to that? All I have is one stat for you. They've been outscored more than they've scored. <laughs> so they've given out 69 runs. They've scored 65. Like, yeah. like no other team. There are teams that are losing that do better than that. Monsa, for instance. So, like, that's a crazy stat. In some ways, you look at it and you're like, all right, so clearly they're scoring runs when they need to, right, to get wins when they need to. But it also means, like, that like that it's not happening enough, and that might portend something down the road, right? Again, getting into the crucial part of the season over the next few weeks where you're like, all right, you know, contender versus pretender. And in a month, we'll really know where they stand, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's in kind of an important addition that it is within their DNA that ever since they moved to play like well they play on a field where there's uh, like uh, loads of space to actually <laughs> let the let the ball just flow and then run and you, like we see home runs in basically every game or so and it has created the kind of a DNA where you outscore the opponent. And that's the mindset. I mean, that's the only time that uh, with the game managers and coaches that I've been working with, and that's dozens of like top quality championship winning game managers. The only one or the only ones that I have come across to with the mindset of outscoring the opponent, not defending the opponent like out of the game have come from Hubinka, which is like if you come from Sokomo, if you come from Kite, if you like if you're from those places for example you approach the game from defending that we defend we we concede less than the opponent that's the mindset and in Hubinka, they're like yeah if they score six we score seven. No issue. I mean, <laughs> and it's, it's refreshing, but that's, uh, is it sustainable? That's a whole other conversation, and I'm not going to start that here. Yeah. Um, well, in, oh gosh, I think one of our very, very first episodes, uh, we were talking about the difference between teams in the East and teams in the West, and you referenced this kind of mindset in particular from, from Darko, of of being more offensively minded than than defense, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting stat you raise, Ron. <laughs> um, their offense perhaps not 
firing on all cylinders, um, but they've still managed to somehow find those wins. Uh, so turning then to the women's uh, power rankings, and uh, Miley Usset have made it to the top uh, twice in a row in my power rankings. And Mika, we were talking a moment ago about how this team really is finding themselves in the mix at the moment, perhaps maybe not uh, ultimately being able to to stay there. But do, do you think that they've made some, some shifts or changes or it's just the type of opponents they've been playing? Uh, how do you rate their success? I mean, I... I, I respect that in, enormously. I mean, they are... Uh, it's not just the level of opponents. Like they have beaten quality teams like Monsey and Lapua, and they they play like, and it's like the mindset is refreshing. Okay, I mean the the whole like seeing them play, they are positive all over the place. They like they they express themselves you know, on the pitch so that. It's, it feels positive, it sounds positive, it looks positive, it looks organized. It's like, uh, if they are gonna be beaten, it's gonna be, it's, ha- it's going to have to be, <laughs> uh, how should I put this? It takes a better team than them. I mean, that's, that's the way to put it. I mean, they, they are, uh, they are performing at the level which they can sustain. And it's up to the opponent to be like permanently high, higher than that. And I'm, I'm not that sure that there would be more than three or four like teams in the league that I would put my money on, like in a, best out of five series against them. So it was, I just did an interview with Aino uh, Casamantere the other day for Vegas and it's like every time you speak to a player you sense that how it's going and how things are within the, like how how the game is going and how how, how the mentality <laughs> in, inside the uh, building, so to say, yes, and it's so positive that it's it's like Kempele. It's immense, immensely. That it's really refreshing. Mm. Well, um, I know, guys, Mantaro. We're also looking at uh, slightly later in the lineup as well, because of course she's leading at the time of recording. There's still games ongoing. Uh, she's leading the statistics in terms of runs batted in as well, uh, with twenty eight. So. They're doing something incredibly well over there in in Sonioki. and like you say, some of the teams they've they've beaten, and we talked about the the Lapo game a moment ago, has been really interesting to see. The other team I wanted to talk about in terms of trends and power rankings was the up and down nature of uh, of Harmina. Um, the two games that they had against Pori back to back, one at home and one away, couldn't have been more different. Um, the home game was a really close one up until the, the very end in the uh, scoring contest. Um, they managed to take away a point from that, but then 
uh, back in Pori, they were completely outclassed. And there was a lot of issues in terms of defence, watching the game. You know, that's usually their stronger suit. Um, but to, to see them just come away, not only with no points, but no runs scored as well, and to concede 16 in the game was huge. They then go on to concede 15 against Ferrer in the next game. And actually, at the time of recording, <laughs> they narrowly have lost to Lapua by a single run across the two yaks, having tied the first. So an incredible bounce back today from them. Miko, is this Hamina side wildly inconsistent, or do you think they just had a couple of bad games? Well, they are just a promoted team. They okay. They have their like their outfield is decent, and uh, when they go on those these kind of uh, away trips where they play like back to back against quality teams like Boriaram, there's like geographically also quite a bit, but. <sighs> But it's like I've been on the receiving end of that that kind of a beating in Pori, and <laughs> I can feel it <laughs> still. <laughs> and uh, but that's just the gap of like in quality. And when when they play, like you mentioned, two games against Pori, they played at home, and against Lapua, they played on a neutral ground in Kusankoski. So they are a completely different animal, home and away. Mm. So moving on then from the uh, power rankings to some of the top performers in the men's uh, league, Jukapa uh, Kavanyampa and Berturuska really vying for top position when it comes to runs batted in. Um, Ron, I know... You mentioned recently about um, Ruska having one of his finer games since moving away from, from Vimpoli, in particular that game against Vimpoli. Um, what do you make of the, these two batters going, as it were, head-to-head? Yeah, going, you know, to, you know to, I mean, I Ruska goes from being the man, right? Like Vimpoli fans hate when I say that about him, when a team, but let's be real. Like, you're 15 years old, you come out, you're the, like, you're the playoff MVP, and then you become the guy. Right. Like you watch the guys, you become the guy. And so to go to a team where you're on a team full. Of, I, I think I said this somewhere else. I was like, he went from Vimpoli where he's like the big, a little, you know, big fish in a little pond, literally a little creek to a bigger city on a team full of dudes. He's on a team full of dudes. He's in a locker room carrying bags metaphorically after being the man somewhere else. And you got to, it takes a minute to adjust to that. And he had a good year last year. But it takes a second to adjust to that. And now he's the year two. He's in it. And he's feeling himself a little bit. He's getting his swagger back. He gets to see how Yuha Padamaki comes in and prepares, right? You've seen these guys on the side, but now you get to play with them. They know you. You're not carrying bags anymore. And so I think you're seeing that on the field. And obviously, in Vimpoli, you know, uh, coming off a title, I mean, those boys are, are calm. I, I think they, they understand what they want to be and who they want to be. Um, I mean, it's not that they won last year. It's how they did it. And so you're not going to do that every year. But you don't have to. You got to just get into the tournament and you figure it out. And so having a guy like that at the top of the lineup, 
being able to help dictate the offense sets the tone for the rest of the lineup. And so I think both those guys are going to do that for their teams. And you will see later in the season, you'll see in the playoffs, those guys are going to be the bellwether for how those teams do. Ruska plays well. Mansa, for all the shit about them, they got something to prove, right? And then obviously Vimpoli, it's just a question of like, you know, everybody's kind of like waiting for the, waiting for the, waiting for the glass slipper to fall off Cinderella's shoe. But it hadn't happened yet, really, right? Yesterday's game was close in the second yak, so they didn't win, but uh, who cares, right? So, yeah. Uh, Mika, what's your view on this uh, batting sort of rivalry between these two players? No, I mean, that summed it up perfectly. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. Like, Bertoroska is going to be probably the all-time record-breaker. And uh, we need to still bear in mind his age, uh, still. And it's just like Ron said. That, okay, year two. Now he comes. And it's like, he's going to hit, like, 100 runs this year. And that's, that's going to... Keep going on and keep going on. And Vanyopa was the youngest one in the fewest games to reach a thousand RBIs, I think. And uh, since, <laughs> especially since the championship, and uh, like after being voted the like player of the year. His mindset is even more laid back than, <laughs> than it used to be. And it, and I can tell you that it was laid back before because it's, it's, it's funny enough to, I mean, when the, when they are like, when they are, uh, on the outfield and he's like, <laughs> he's out there, uh, and uh, he's he's behind the outfield, uh, behind the outfielders, yeah. And where where you need to be as a choker, and he is in this kind of a mermaid position, like like laying on the ground and picking some sand there from the ground and dropping it back, and he's sort of looking like he's on the beach. And then he comes back, and in two minutes he hits like four runs and. It's like, yeah, day at the office. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's the guy's mindset. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this unfolds going through the season and then into the postseason as well, because uh, almost definitely both of those two teams uh, will be in the postseason. Uh, the other player then that caught my eye in the statistics at the moment was uh, Demo Normio, who has the most uh, successful hits in the league at 72 at the time of recording. Um, we talked about how, how few runs that uh, Tarkos seem to be scoring at the moment, but Demo Normio's doing his job as part of that lineup. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Miko? Uh, I mean, he's, he is an all-star player flying under the radar, as, like, <laughs> as stupid as it sounds. And that's... That's just a fact. I mean, we all know that he's a good player, but he's actually an exceptional player in his position. And I, they are scoring quite a few runs, but nobody just like, takes notice as of now. But I mean, I 
he's a he's a super nice guy and uh, it's like he has uh, an abundance of skill with with the bat so he he has all the tools and he has like the speed and stuff like that so I don't see any reason why this would not go on well moving from the men's to the women's then we've already um talked about Aino Kaisa Mantra um the only other player then really I wanted to talk about was Johansu's uh, Johanna Pierskanen who has 53 successful hits at the time of recording and 20 runs that's the first and second um in the league respectively for those statistics um Miko have you been impressed with uh, Johanna so far I have, and I think that it's she's also been a star in the making. So it's been it's not it has not been such like a surprise. But she is a franchise player, simple as that. And you also sign her to be just that and to grow into be that. And now she's coming into the fore, and yeah, I mean. Good for them. <laughs> well, there's a few key players, of course, as well, um, uh, like Vera uh, Doika, as well. Um, they're really kind of little points of of positivity in that Yonsu lineup that you you kind of think, okay, could this be the year that they they're going to make it into the playoffs? They're going to do well enough. I don't expect them to go on to win championships, but are they going to do well enough there? Um, Ron, do you have anything to add to that? I do, but not what you think. So, <laughs> I mean, first of all, first of all, yes. So she's nineteen years old, by the way, friends. Let's just let's just be real about this, okay? She's doing what she's doing, and she's nineteen, okay? Um, you know, a leadoff type hitter for the friends at home who are like, hey, translate this to me. I'm like, you got it. You got a you got a player who can get a who will just get people on base. And gets on base and makes things happen from there. Um, here's what I want. I've said this for years. Uh, Ian knows this because he's seen them too. Roy Hu, those Hoagland sisters. Yeah. That team keeps cascading downward. I want to know who's going to send some money and get those girls on a team. Because they're franchise players. They're both good in different ways. The older sister, the younger sister in stats, I was looking. because I'm like, surely she's good, right? Third in the league for getting on the first base. Like 40. So, like, Pierskinen's one, uh, Kalto Mansa's second, Charlotta Hoagland's third, okay? Like, she's playing for a last-place team that can't score. They got a couple players like that that are, like, players that can help somebody else out. Not that I want to break a team up, but just for the, for the friends at home, we talk about the depth of the women's game specifically. We know this on the men's side. There's always somebody on some team. But on the women's side, having even a team that can't score, that does, can't, can't get those points together, has three players. You put them in a lineup right now for one of those top teams, and it would vault them from where they are to somewhere else. And so that just gives you the, the, the beauty of seeing how the women's game has really grown the last couple of years with these younger players being able to, like, fit in their spots. It's just finding a way to get them, like you said, bringing it all together, like a, like a Mansa or uh, other, some of the other teams. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, Ron. The, I, I, I've seen the Hoogland sisters play they are incredible players and i agree entirely with you as you as you well know we talk about them uh, now and then um so 
I think that'll just about do it for this episode. Um, I want to thank my uh, co-hosts, uh, Mikko Pirhonen. Thanks a lot. I mean, it was finally, it was the last time we got together. I can't I <laughs> even recall, but it was, uh, anyway, too long a time ago, but it was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Indeed, and a special thank you for helping move the diaries around and uh, a bright early morning for Ron Bronson there across the pond in the United States. Uh, Ron, thank you for joining us. It's good to be back, energized. I'm going to watch a ton of games. Be so good. And from me, Ian Albert, thank you very much for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, and I hope you have, then please do like or subscribe. Hey, even leave us a comment. I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can also read some of my writings on the blog. That's superpessisroundup.wordpress.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter or on Facebook at superpessisr. You will also see me writing from time to time for Hymina's website in English as well. So please do check out some of those articles. Uh, but that's about it. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Hidden far away